notice it says that we should expect commit your way to the Lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday notice it says he shall bring it to pass what that means is we should be expectant we don't just cast our cares upon him and hope that everything works out we cast our cares upon him and we expect things to work When the burdens of life become overwhelming and it feels like your spirit is being crushed under the weight of them, human nature will lead us down a path of despair. It's not because you are a weak person, but because God didn't intend for you to carry such a heavy load. In this teaching from Psalms, Pastor Daniel will teach you about the freedom that comes with commitment to God, casting your cares on someone who can handle them. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Eye of the Tiger. Brothers and sisters, pamper yourselves in the Lord. Let God let you live luxuriously, not necessarily materially, but in Him. Delight yourself. Take your fill of all that he is. I think this is the hardest part of being a Christian in a very prosperous culture. Because in the midst of all this great stuff that we get to enjoy, it's so easy to not delight ourselves in him who money couldn't buy. That we can't acquire by means or energy. It's simply saying, God, I want to make much of you. Delight yourself in the Lord. When was the last time you let God just absolutely let you live luxuriously and abundantly in him? See, I say those words and you automatically think, oh, well, then I'm going to have the nicest car. No, 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 no. He is the most valuable commodity, if I may say so, in the world. You think the Hope Diamond, the most valuable diamond, why is it so valuable? Because diamonds are rare, and the Hope Diamond is the biggest of them. There's only one God in the universe. He is the most of infinite value. And when we live luxuriously in him, then we get to delight in him. We need to be pampered in God. Be blinged out in God. I mean, isn't that what the book of Acts They were uneducated, but they know that they had been with Jesus because of the way that they acted. We're the fragrance of Christ. And you know what it's like when you hug somebody who puts on a little bit too much perfume and stuff? You know what that's like? You smell it all day and the next day. You know, you want to go in there like scrub, man. Why? Because they left an after smell. And that is who we should be when we're living luxurious in God, that we bump into somebody and grace spills all over them. And then they go away and they want to be grumpy, but they're like, but thinking about Jesus. And then they want to go home and scrub themselves, but man, God's on them. That's why it says we should be the fragrance of Christ. 
the fragrance of life. And for some people, that fragrance of life functions as the fragrance of death because they're not willing to say, yes, Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. But notice, delight yourself and desire. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I remember as a, as a seeker in college, you know, I didn't grow up really with a lot of uh, religion or spirituality. I remember in college, I started taking philosophy classes, and I got really interested in metaphysics. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to learn about these spiritual things. And I remember, of course, growing up in the West, and, you know, Christianity had a, a place in the West. So, of course, you don't want to start there, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, it's Christianity, you know? So, of course, where did I go? I went to Buddhism you know, which our culture seems to love. And, you know, I started actually reading the teachings of Buddha rather than kind of that American pseudo-Buddhism that we have everywhere. I was like, I'm a Buddhist. But I've never actually read one thing that the Buddha ever said. It's just like, it's this thing, you know. It's amazing. We live in the most educated culture and people are completely ignorant to what these things mean. It's amazing. Next time someone says, I'm a Buddhist, say, well, tell me what Buddha taught and watch him dance. (laughs) They don't have a clue what he said. But it's amazing. I go start reading the teaching of Buddha, and Buddha's like, your desires cause you pain. So become detached from desire. Lose all desire. And I thought to myself, that ain't real. I mean, we were created to be desireless. So that means when something good happens, don't rejoice. When something bad happens, don't cry. When you have a loss, don't mourn, don't feel. And I remember thinking to myself, that can't be right. And then I remember when I started reading the Bible, and I read this verse, and I'm like, oh, there's the key. It doesn't mean don't have desire. It means the problem, the reason pain happens is because our desires are in the wrong place. And when we delight ourselves in the Lord, now he gives us his desires, and they become our desires. And now we can desire away. But it's not selfish, self-fulfilling. Now it's God. You have a beautiful plan in the world. And it's not about me living with all this stuff. It's like, Lord, I can help that person. So I'm going to do it. Because that gives God glory. And then I get joy watching someone who's in need be helped. And so as we delight in him, we begin to desire what he desires. And as we live that out, then our desires are a holy desire. So God doesn't want us to be devoid of desire. He wants us to have the right desires. So instead of freaking out, delight in the Lord and desire the things that he desires. And God wants to make this world a more livable place. He wants it to be a piece of heaven on earth until we get to experience heaven in heaven. And then heaven on earth again, if you read the end of the Bible. It's kind of wild. We get heaven on earth, and then we're going to get heaven in heaven, and then we're going to get heaven on earth again. And then we're going to get heaven on the new earth. I don't know. You read it. You figure it out. But this makes me think, this makes me think of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. It's that same idea. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, and he gives us the desires of our heart, as we delight in him, we're seeking his kingdom. And then God will take care of everything else. Because, you know, we don't need the biggest and the best and the baddest. We don't need to be this because our valuations come from elsewhere. It's amazing. 
that although we may judge one another on how buff you are or how much money you've made or what kind of car you drive, God actually looks at the content of our character. And when he looks, those who are in Christ, he delights in that. So it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or how much money you've made, lost, never made, how much education you got or didn't get. He looks at you and if he sees Christ dwelling in your heart by faith through his spirit, he's like, right on. That's a winner. That's winning. That's where it's at. So instead of freaking out, delight yourself in the Lord and desire. He'll give you the desires of your heart, not because he's going to give you everything you want. He's going to give you everything that he wants for you because you want what he wants for you. So I love this. Instead of freaking out, we trust and do. We dwell and feed. We delight and desire. And then look at what happens in verse 5 and verse 6. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. Brothers and sisters, this says to commit and to expect. Commit and expect. Now, you know what I like about this? What I like about this is that not only are we called to trust in the Lord, which speaks of and make it active, but now we're committing our ways to him. And when I think about this word in the Hebrew, commit, it literally means to cast one's feelings upon somebody else. It's to take the burden off of ourselves and to give it to the Lord. And it makes you think of 1 Peter 5, 7, casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. So in all these things, we need to cast our burden onto the Lord. Of course, we know in Matthew chapter 11, it says that his yoke is what? It's easy. And his burden is light. So if you're in here today, no matter where you are, no matter if you've been walking with the Lord for years or if you've never started walking with the Lord and you're going to start today, if you're weighed down with cares, concerns, issues, just burdened with life, very real burdens, you're here today because God wants you to know he wants to take those burdens from you. You can't handle them anyway, but he can. He can. He is willing and able. You guys know I have small kids, and it's fun because I get Obadiah out into the yard now. You know, and you know when they're seven, he wants to help dad for about three minutes. You know what I mean? And it's, it's a blast for three minutes. So I'm like, yeah, you know, look at all these thorns. We're like Adam. And he's like, oh, yeah, Adam in the garden, you know? And I start trying to, you know, I'm trying to be a good biblical dad, so I want to bridge everything we're doing to something in the Bible. But it's funny because, of course, Obadiah, he's seven, so when it's time to clear away some logs, which one does he grab? The biggest. Why? Because he's the man, right? Like a little dude. It was funny when they went pumpkin picking for school, you know, Miss Evans, his first grade teacher was telling us that Obadiah and another one of the boys in that class, they had to get the biggest one. And she was like, look, you can take that as long as you carry it around the whole day. And see, you got to love little boys, you know, little dudes, you know. It's like, of course, these two guys are like, you know, Obadiah came home and he was just like, I'm exhausted. I'm like, why are you exhausted? He's like, well, I was carrying that pumpkin around all day. And of course, you couldn't put it down because you picked it up, right? So Obadiah, is in the yard. He's got the biggest log. He can't even move. And I'm like, Obadiah, let me help you with that. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. And then finally he gives up. I'm going to go play with my friends. 
But that's a lot of us in here today, isn't it? You're weighed down. You're suffocating under the weight of burdens that God never wired you to be able to carry. And the Lord wants you to take those cares and give them to him. Commit to him. Give them to him. For some of us, it's going to be coming down at the end of service to receive prayer because you're weighed down. You know that you want to commit your, but you're like, you know, you give it to the Lord and you take it back. You give it to the Lord and you take it back, right? You're buying hot potato with the Lord. And so that's why we have our prayer councils up here at the end because you need to cast it upon him again. Stop worrying. For others of you, there's going to come a time in a few minutes where I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your, all your cares to the Lord for the very first time. You've never allowed the Lord to bear what he's created you not to have to bear. You give your life to him. And he takes away the burdens. And he takes away the fears. And he takes away all the junk that life and your own decisions and the impositions of others have done to you. He wants you to commit it to him, to give it back. Say, Lord, I can't bear this anymore. I don't want to. I'm tired. And the Lord's like, I'll take it. I am willing and able to bear this burden. And that's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. God taking the burden of sin upon himself so that we could be set free to be who God made us to be. But not only do we commit, but notice it says that we should expect. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Notice it says, he shall bring it to pass. What that means is we should be expectant. We don't just cast our cares upon him and hope that everything works out. We cast our cares upon him and we expect things to work. Because we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. And it says that our righteousness will be like the light and justice like the noonday. You know what that means? Every day the sun comes up. Yeah, sometimes we don't see it. It's, under, it's, it's above the clouds, but it comes up every day. And guess what? Noon hits the clock every day. That's just the way life rolls. And we should have an expectant faith that as we give our cares to the Lord, we expect that God's going to take care of it. For so many of us, we trust God, but we don't expect God to be God. And I want to encourage you. William Carey, the great missionary, said it this way, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. We should have an expectant faith. I pray that you woke up today and said, God, you're going to blow my mind today. You're going you're gonna to run wild today, Lord. I don't know what you're going to do. I just know you're going to do something. Just the way you expect the sun to come up, just the way you expect that it's going to hit noon on the clock, you should expect that God is going to be God in your life and around you. We should have an expectant faith. That's why I'm so excited watching people in this new year bring their neighbors, bring their family members, bring their coworkers to church. Why? Because they're like, I expect that God's going to meet with them here. And we should live radically expectant lives that God's going to show up. He's going to be God. So instead of freaking out, we, get, we commit our ways, we give him our burdens, and we expect that God's going to get things done. We commit and expect. Now, number six, look at verse seven. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret 
because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man that brings wicked schemes to pass. Brothers, sisters, we need to rest and wait. Rest and wait. That word rest means to be silent or to be still. It speaks of a calm surrender. We should rest in the Lord. When was the last time you were still and just knew that he was God? We live in a loud culture. Everything's loud. There was a composer who actually composed a piece of music with all rests on it. And, and actually, the music was actually all the people rustling around. Can you imagine if I just stood up here for five minutes in total silence? When was the last time you rested in God? You just got into his presence in silence and you just said, God, I'm going to be still and I'm going to get down with knowing who you are. But not only resting, but waiting, waiting. It's a lost art in an immediate culture, isn't it? When you think about waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord is be like, Lord, you know what it's like to wait for something, right? Like when you order something and you're waiting for it to come in the mail and you keep going to the tracking number, refresh, 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 refresh. <laughs> right? We all do that, right? Because you know it's coming. So you keep checking. Ah, see that? When we rest in the Lord, we have that expectancy. We know it's going to come at some point. We can't wait for it. We, and, and when you know something's coming, you run out to the mailbox. Right? When you're, when you're driving home, you're like looking at the front door to see if the package is sitting there. Yeah, there's that expectancy. You know it's coming. So brothers and sisters, instead of freaking out, rest in the Lord and wait for it. Wait for him to take care of it. He's got it coming. It's on order. He's going to work it out. And then finally, verse 8, it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Brothers and sisters, we need to cease and forsake all of the anger and all of the wrath. It's so easy in our fretting and our freaking out to become angry, wrathful. And it says here, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Why? Because vengeance is the Lord's, not ours. And our wrath will never produce the righteousness of God in somebody else's life. You can get as angry as you want, and all you're doing is pushing people farther away from who they really need, and that's Jesus. We need to cease and forsake. Listen to James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So no matter how angry you get, you are not going to get what you want. So you need to cease and forsake that anger. God does the work. We do not do the work. All of our anger, it's carnal. It's sinful. And yes, we want to say, well, Jesus had righteous indignation and so do I. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. I don't think so. It's a blind spot. It's a blind spot. Cease and forsake. So I love this. Instead of freaking out, trust and do, dwell and feed, delight and desire, commit and expect, rest and wait, and then cease 
and forsake. And I'm going to close here, verses 9 to 11. Look at what it says. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it will be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. These verses sets the contrast that's going to go for the rest of this psalm. And it's the contrast between those who are gods and those who are not. In these verses, it says, quite simply, that the evildoers will be cut off. It says that they will be no more. And it says that those who trust in the Lord, not only will they inherit the earth, but they will delight themselves in the abundance of peace. As always happens in the Bible, God places this reality at our doorsteps. And there's only two ways to go. There's only two options. There's no door number three. You either choose to trust in the Lord and you receive the blessings that include the abundance of peace or you reject that. And if you reject that, the outcome is destruction. I, don't, I didn't write it. I don't even like it but I know that it's the truth. And so I ask you, what will you do? What decision will you make? Will you choose your own way, a self-styled life that will lead to destruction, even if you do your best to be moral and good as you understand it, Or will you trust in the Lord? That is the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. If you're in here today, I believe, and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've never trusted the Lord, I believe that you're here for today, for this reason. I believe that God loves you enough to have you here in this sanctuary or listening online to this message at this point in your life to make that decision. And I want to encourage you to take that step because now is the acceptable hour. You may not have later. And I'm not trying to scare you into it, but you should be scared because later is not promised to anybody. It's not. It's not. It's important that you make today your day. That you say, I'm going to stop living in a way that is going to lead to where I don't want to be. And I am going to commit and trust and dwell and delight. And I'm going to cease and all these things. And I'm going to give my life to Christ today. And if you do, you will have an abundance He will take those burdens from you. And there's a whole lot of people in this room who can witness and testify to that reality. But brothers, sisters, the choice is yours. And God wants you to make a good decision. Jesus is Our hearts break for those being turned away and rejected all over the world because of where they've come from. 
Like many of you, I have to face my fears about terrorism and balance them with the command Jesus gave me to love. Love no matter what. You might be asking yourself, what can I do? How can I help? Well, I urge you first to reach out to us here at Crossroads Community Church. We've been ministering to refugees for many years and we could use your help. Second, and it's gonna sound pretty simple, you need to pray. Pray for those who are suffering all over the world. Pray for our refugees trying to escape terror in their own countries and pray for President Donald Trump and the rest of the leadership of our country. And we wanna help you to remember to pray for all of these things. I wear a leather bracelet that says real on it. Whenever I look at this bracelet, it reminds me that Jesus is real in my life and I'm utterly and completely blessed. I also remember to pray for those who are fleeing tyranny. I'm gonna turn this over to Josh so that you can learn more about supporting refugees and help us here at Jesus Is Real Radio. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Truly, the plight of the refugees is urgent. Throughout the month of March, we want to make available to you the same leather bracelet that Pastor Daniel just mentioned. It simply says real on it. When you wear this bracelet, you'll be reminded of God's love in your life and those that are less fortunate. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you the real bracelet as a thank you. Plus, we will use a portion of these funds in the current effort here at Crossroads Community Church to minister to refugees. To receive your own real bracelet, check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. Well, thanks for joining us today. Please remember to pray for the poor, oppressed, and less fortunate. Until next time, may God bless. Trail, we need, we need.